0: to the PAXX podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 49 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby and I'm joined by my co-host Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Doing
1: very well, Mary. A little bit sunburned from my second air show in Pennsylvania this past weekend. Uh, So uh, it's kind of a good burn. It's always great to uh, go to an air show and be immersed in uh, all the performances and all the fantastic people there.
0: You were up in wilkes Fair, right?
1: That's right. You were
0: up in wilkes Fair? Aha. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize they actually had an air show in wilkes Fair, so shame on me for being from Pennsylvania. Goodness. Well,
1: they used to uh, have an annual air show, and my understanding is that uh, they stopped that for, I don't know what reason, about 17 years ago. So there's been a bit of a gap, but it looks like they're back and uh, looking forward to the show next year. Hopefully they'll run it again.
0: Yeah, well, I'll keep an eye out for that. Thanks, Max. Well, before we get started, we'd like to thank the Jetliner Cabins ebook app for sponsoring this week's podcast. The Concorde. It was impossible to ignore the beautiful shape of the world's first and only supersonic passenger jetliner as it roared overhead. But just how many of us would recognize Concorde's interior? Because of Concorde's immense speed and ultra-high-flying performance, there were many unique technical factors to consider. For inspiration, the cabin designers turned to the world of exotic sports cars and transformed Concorde's slender cabin into a streamlined, executive-style interior that was subsequently emulated by airline's Worldwide. These and other vivid details make the Concorde flying experience come alive again in the Jetliner Cabins ebook app, which tells the inside story of the Concorde interior. Visit jetlinercabins.com to learn more and to download the app. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today a longtime aviation industry veteran. John Wade works as Chief Operating Officer at in flight connectivity firm GoGo, which is rolling out its 2KU high speed internet solution across multiple. Airlines, welcome to the show, John. Thanks,
1: John. It's great to have you on. We're looking forward to a wonderful conversation, but let's uh, get started right away. Take a look at some of the PAXX news stories that are making headlines. First, GoGo recently revealed that equipage of 2KU to aircraft only takes two days. John, how did GoGo achieve this remarkable install time? And also, is 2KU easier to fit to aircraft than traditional satellite connectivity systems?
2: That's a great question, Max. Um, a lot of people were somewhat skeptical about whether or not large radar installations could be installed in two days or less. Uh, there's an awful lot of work that needs to be done to get to that point of uh, just keeping the aircraft on the ground for two days. And we were delighted to say so we could achieve that in a relatively short time. And we're looking forward to bringing the installation time down even further over time. Um, Large weight installations are difficult. They're inherently complex. You are drilling multiple holes through a pressure vessel, and whenever you do that, that raises some eyebrows in terms of making sure you do it properly. Um, but what we've managed to do is really refine the process in terms of how uh, we get to the aircraft, how we prepare the aircraft for installation, how we prepare all the kit that we need the cables, the trays, the lus and then making sure the crews are really able to do the installation seamlessly without mistrilling in the aircraft and causing other delays. So we actually can do this now pretty repetitively in under two days with an experienced crew.
0: John, you have uh, kind of uh, lines around the world supporting these installations, is that right?
2: We do. We've been very fortunate in a number of airlines around the world selecting 2KU for their next-generation broadband system. Uh, We've got several airlines in Europe, so notably Air France, KLM, IAG, um, in the European domain, we've got a number of airlines in North America, which will be most Delta and then Americans just started their installation, um, along with uh, Canada doing their fleets. And then in Asia, we have uh, in Australia, who's recently joined uh, uh, the GoGo customer list.
0: So do do the airlines do the installation themselves? Do you work with various MRO providers? What's the lay of the land on the maintenance repair side? How How do you manage these mods? That's
2: a great question, Mary. Uh, there are ways we look at doing this, and sometimes we do it um, in dedicated installation lines where we're doing back-to-back installations, and Delta is choosing to do that now, but it's ramped through Q3 and Q4 this year. And those those are the lines where we can get down to about two days, and sometimes the airline provides the maintenance, and sometimes we provide the maintenance, uh, the, the crew that are actually doing the installations, I should say. In other instances, airlines are doing as part of a uh, maintenance uh, downtime. So the aircraft comes in, it may stay there for a few weeks, in which case we've got lots of time to be able to do the installation during those maintenance periods. Um, And in those instances, sometimes the airline provides the maintenance labor, and other times they're subcontracting out to an MRO. So you can choose whichever way you want to do this. Airline labor, MRO, labor, go-go, managed labor. Uh,
1: Mary, uh, maybe I can ask you a question. When we talk about 2KU, um, what does that mean? Is that a second-generation
0: yeah, that's GoGo's uh broadband in-flight connectivity and it is, you're right, it's a second generation connectivity system. Um and, and John Wade actually, he uh he knows all about the first generation system because he he worked with uh the kind of former iteration of GoGo known as AirCell, right John?
2: That's right. Um, I've been at uh gogo go now, so actually the first iteration of the installations we did that used the um the legacy at ground system and um, that's now obviously widely deployed on most, uh, many, many aircraft in North America. Um, that system has become a bit slow, as many of you will probably know, so we've been rolling out satellite systems over the last few years. We started with our first uh, KU system, and then perhaps we were short on marketing people at the time when we came up with the next generation because we called this one 2KU. Um, the 2KU is a dramatically improved system compared to the other satellite systems that right were out there before, um, it's already showing speeds of over 100 megabits per second, and there's headroom to grow that uh, to a couple of 100 megabits per second. It's proving I to be I... tremendously. Go ahead.
0: Sorry, no, no, no. I was just going to say, I actually think 2KU's. I mean, because there are actually two antenna, correct? So it is, it's, it's accurate to some degree, right? That was what was reflective in the name.
2: Yeah, that, that's true. Uh,
0: okay. There are two
2: antennas. There are two dishes profile plate on the aircraft. So, If you're doing antenna spotting and you see a very flat looking bump on the aircraft, that's probably a 2KU installation.
0: Max, you know, um, the the antenna spotters are called hump spotters now, you know that, right? (laughs) The hashtag hump spotters. it's good stuff we have we have a hump spotters alert on runway girl network where we were trying to spot these but one thing that a hump say is that it's a little harder to spot because the 2ku antenna has a lower profile than the traditional satellite connectivity system so it's uh, it's interesting it's making the job slightly more challenging there john
2: <laughs> yes so the airlines appreciate the lower fuel drag so Right there. Right the hump spotters will have to look a little harder.
1: <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, next, Delta Airlines will soon be flying the Airbus A350. They are the first North American operator of that type, and the A350 will feature a passenger pleasing nine abreast configuration, which is standard for the type, and. It was also fitted with 2KU by the Airbus Corporate Jet Center before being delivered to the airline. John, the savvy travelers are excited about this aircraft for sure. What will the passenger experience be like on board the Delta A350 with 2KU?
2: Sure. Well, the 2KU really does offer the -the state-of-the-art speed today in terms of broadband connectivity to an airplane. Um, I've used it uh, several times on Delta aircraft and uh, other airline partner aircraft. I've also used it with a new modem technology that we're just running out, which really increases these speeds to over 100 megabits. And it is mind-blowing in terms of the experience you get compared to the legacy uh, satellite or air-to-ground systems. Um, It's very, very capable. It's very capable of supporting streaming services. And it's very common on modern GPU installations to have uh, many passengers actually streaming their Netflix or streaming their Hulu or Voodoo accounts and actually watching their own content on board. So it's a fairly different experience uh, compared to the legacy systems that are out there today.
0: John, I was going to ask you, if uh, if you're on the A350, if you're a passenger on the A350 and you want to stream and say a lot of other people want to stream as well, will 2KU be able to support a large number of passengers doing that simultaneously? How should we be thinking about that?
2: Absolutely. Um, the way we've designed the system today, it's going to be fully capable of supporting um, any reasonable number of passengers who want to stream. Um, and certainly on the 350, well, they've also got an excellent in-flight entertainment system and lots of great content on board the aircraft. We don't see a problem with passengers wanting to stream, um, as well as watching IFE.
0: So there'll be a lot of double and triple screening going on in flight.
2: Well, there could be. <laughs> now,
1: I, I understand that uh, on the Delta A350s, um, they're uh, really offering some <laughs> premium uh, I- entertainment systems, free I- in-flight entertainment screens, uh, high-def, uh, that sort of thing. Is that made possible by 2KU and the bandwidth it offers?
2: No, I mean, you have to think of IFE and IFC, uh, in-flight entertainment and in-flight connectivity, being separate systems. So whatever we do on the IFE system is largely independent of whatever we do with 2KU. Uh, we're certainly able to provide content into the IFE systems. And we have enough bandwidth to be able to uh, enrich an IT experience through the, the seat bag display. Uh, but the systems are largely separate today.
0: John, do you think there's an opportunity down the road to collaborate with some of these in-seat IFE providers? I know years ago, Gogo talked about, um, uh, you know, working perhaps with Talis. Um Is there an opportunity down the road? Because we're, we're hearing from the IFE guys that it's all about the connected seat back now. And obviously, some of these airlines are going with embedded IFE from other providers, and then GoGo2KU for the connectivity. Um, should we be thinking about potential, I don't know, collaborations?
2: I, I think it's certainly possible in the future. I mean, if you think about our own TVs at home today, they are really more internet appliances with a very big screen uh, than they are the two traditional sort of cable-based TV system. So the way that we as uh, users and consumers um, consume content is turning from broadcast to very much an online experience. So I think the IFE providers are very sensible to start thinking about how their IFE platforms morph into a, in a connected airplane world, and we'd be delighted to provide the connectivity for those systems.
0: Interesting. Max, you know, the A350, obviously you say it's passenger pleasing. Part of that is because the seats are the kind of wider uh, 18 inch standard that Airbus likes to tout on a lot of its aircraft, right? Um, and when you're a passenger and you're trying to use your laptop, um, seat, the living space that you have is kind of important. Obviously, seat pitch is important, but seat width can also be important as well. Um, John, are you finding overall with GoGo users, are are there a lot of laptop users or is is it, is it really mainly um, smartphones and tablets these days?
2: That's a great question, Mary. And we've certainly seen things migrate over the last few years away from what would have been the traditional laptop user into a much more mobile user. Today, the majority of our passengers either use a tablet or a smartphone. And that's very much true whether it's uh, domestic or international. People want to remain connected, but it's as you said a minute ago, it is a much easier experience to be connected on your phone sharing that meal tray uh, the seat bag tray with a meal tray uh, and with a laptop. So uh, we think that's a trend that's going to continue in the future.
0: Interesting, Max, you know this kind of makes me in, a little bit in the minority then, because I need to use my laptop
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm old fashioned in that way too uh
0: <laughs> my dinosaur hands, you know <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Little... but
0: they should have more space with these uh with the with this uh, particular aircraft, but
1: <laughs> yes, it sounds that way, and it sounds like it's uh, offering a an experience that you know is getting closer and closer to what we uh, experience in the home
2: it very much is um. I would probably characterize it not just like a home experience but a mobile experience huh. and when we're mobile today um you know we use our devices um, not just for email we use them for catching up with what's going on the web social media even you know streaming and all those sorts of capabilities are now capable through your mobile device and the two k u aircraft so the mobile experience whether it's a train plane or automobile is going to be uh, very similar uh,
1: John I'm curious is Uh, I mean, that seems pretty self-evident. And is that enough to to motivate GoGo to make these kinds of uh, capability improvements? Uh, Or are uh, passengers demanding them explicitly? Where does that motivation come from for GoGo?
2: It's all about serving customers at the end of the day, and whether the customer is the guy who's sitting in the seat or the guy who owns the seat and owns the plane. And it's all about providing the right level of connectivity that they need. Uh, we've seen the migration in the cellular industry from 3G to 5G. People need more bandwidth. They demand more bandwidth. And we didn't stay still in that. We looked to the future in terms of rolling out ATG4 and 2KU and also our next generation out-of-ground system, which will be offering 100-plus 100, 100 megabits second speeds next year for smaller aircraft. Um, all of the aircraft out there today will have access to 100 megabits plus second speeds. And the motivation is clearly... Surely, as a communication provider, you have to be able to provide solutions that meet the demand of the customers, whether it's the airline or the passengers.
1: Hmm, Sure. All right. Well, last but not least, Global Connectivity Provider iPass recently announced it is offering very cost-effective plans that cover connectivity across airports, hotels, and even in-flight on go-go-fitted U.S. domestic aircraft and on some Panasonic KU-fitted international aircraft. On the IPAS website, they say, Roam Wi-Fi networks the way you roam with cellular. Well, they have plans that start as low as roughly $16 per month. John, why is this kind of seamless connectivity across all touch points of the passenger experience so important today?
2: It's because it's back to this thing about mobility, that wherever you travel, you want to stay online. Um, We used to be in a world where we had just hotspots of connectivity, and now, over the last few years, we've got very much used to uh, Wi Fi experience that matches the speed of cellular, so we have the homogeneity in terms of how we experience uh, the internet as we travel. And uh, partners such as iPass or T Mobile are very much interested in allowing their their passengers, so their customers, to have access seamlessly to connectivity as they go through their travel experience. So whether it's iPass or whether it's T Mobile or others, I think we're poised to see uh, more and more connectivity providers looking to provide seamless access to their customers
0: transverse across as they travel. Now I should note that John is coming at us from an airport. Um and, and so it I, and it, the recording isn't going to be perfect, dear listeners, <laughs> but I guess, uh, I, the kind of the, the quality that, that you're getting right now with this connection, John, it wouldn't be considered great. So would you say that there's, um, opportunity for the airports, uh, around the world to improve the Wi-Fi experience for passengers, the on the ground portion of the experience?
2: Um, whether it's Wi-Fi or cellular, I certainly think there's an opportunity to improve it. We've all been at airports where there are hundreds of people around us in the gate area, all trying to use their devices. And candidly, the congestion, the networks get congested. Um, it's a difficult problem for these guys to solve because of the the density of users in, in a very small area. So certainly, over time, I'm I'm sure they're going to be looking at ways to uh, experience because uh, it must be one of the more densely populated areas they're trying to provide service in.
0: Well, I got to say, with very specific regard to this iPass uh, offering, and also U.S. Mobile is is which is, I guess, partnered with iPass is offering ten dollars a month that will get get you on to GoGo, domestic. It's kind of remarkable. We, you know, at Romagirl, when we saw the pricing, it kind of beggared belief. We I have to admit, we didn't really quite believe it when we first saw it, because it's such a great deal. Um, you think that's sustainable type of pricing that they're offering there? Allowing people to touch, you know, essentially connect across all these different touch points at that low price every month?
2: I can't really speak to the economics of their business model um, because it's obviously a lot more diverse than what we just do in the air. Yeah. Um, I will say that since some certain trends, I think, are true that uh, pricing for connectivity will come down. Um, GoGo very much expects the, uh, the price points for our service to come down over time. Um, and for it to be considered to be a much more affordable service. And as a result, seeing many more people using Wi-Fi in the airplane.
0: And some airlines are offering a free tier, like a basic tier. I think it was Virgin Australia, one of your customers recently just announced that, right, where they'll offer kind of a basic tier for free. And then if you want a streaming class of service, then you can pay for it. Is that kind of what you're seeing? or?
2: I think there'll be multiple trends that are a number of different airlines. But I do think that's a trend that is going to be prominent. And we've seen it uh, emerge in the hotel industry, where for years you can go to a hotel and you get basic connectivity for free, and then you pay for streaming. Um, that model has been proven to be popular with users and customers. So and we may well see that emerge from different airlines. We describe it as being the multi-payer model, that somebody's paying, whether it's the passenger, whether it's the airline, whether it's a third-party sponsor. Somebody is going to uh, cover what will be the ever-decreasing cost of connectivity. Um, But I think that's very much the way of the future. I don't think there's going to be one model fits all. Um, It'll vary based on what the airline wants to do.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, We've seen ticket prices kind of uh, dive to the bottom, uh, the race to the bottom in some cases. And I've been wondering about the same thing with uh, connectivity that we're talking about here. But, John, it sounds like, the industry may not be in danger of that um, in that even if to, for the ultimate consumer, uh, the price drops to uh, very low levels eventually, that um, someone else in the chain is going to be paying for that, making up that difference.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things we're seeing, regardless of whether it's uh, Asian-based or terrestrial based cost of producing uh, megabytes is decreasing. And with, as with all telecommunications companies, they pass that saving on to the end user. So the, the raw cost of the um, produce, uh, the capacity that people need will decline. Um, somebody will have to cover that cost because we don't ultimately make gigabytes for free. Um, but I do think that passengers will find it a lot more affordable in the coming years.
0: Interesting. I, again, in the minority, I actually am willing to pay for a a good, strong connection in flight. Um, It it ensures that I'm able to clear work in flight before I hit my destination. And it gives me a little bit of more freedom and flexibility when I arrive. So I'm one, but I'm in the minority. Most passengers want it for free. You know that, John, right?
2: (laughs) I think the most popular pass flight is free.
0: It is, it is, it is. Well, we are rapidly coming to a close. We want to thank our listeners. Remember, you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at Runway Girl. And remember to use the PAXX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation, of course, and PAXX is being used across platforms now. Uh, it's, it's actually quite active also on Instagram, where I need to spend a little bit more time. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsors the Jetliner Cabin's ebook app. And I'd like to thank John for being our guest. John, where can listeners find you at?
2: Uh, they can find us um, on social media around GoGoAir. Um, I wish I could remember the hashtag. I'm embarrassed to say right now I can't. <laughs> but uh, gogoair.com and that'll link you uh, to everything that we do online.
0: Fantastic.
1: Great. John, it's been a real pleasure. And we'll ask that all of you join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PAXX podcast.
0: Take care, everyone.